Hi, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, my friend Lauren Vera and I are reading Batman The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. We are going to be going over Batman The Long Halloween number 1 through 13. This is a seminal Batman book, and while it's my fifth time reading it, it is Lauren's first time. We also referenced last week's episode, Catwoman When in Rome, so you may want to listen to that before this one, and we also talk about 2008's The Dark Knight, so if you haven't seen that, there's going to be some spoilers. Also, you're going to want to go check that out too. We are going to go into complete spoilers for this story, so consider yourself warned. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram accounts, as well as clobber the like and subscribe buttons and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Please, working with District Attorney Harvey Dent and Lieutenant James Gordon, Batman races against the calendar as he tries to discover who Holiday is before he claims his next victim each month. A mystery that has the reader continually guessing the identity of the killer. This story also ties into the events that transform Harvey Dent into Batman's deadly enemy, Two-Face. And welcome back to Cameron's Comics, Lauren. This is the third attempt at the intro because we had technical difficulties, but luckily, I'm I'm a I'm a guru. Okay, well, I was gonna say third time's a charm. Third time is a charm, and also I guess you have some skills. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hey, that was recorded live in front of the studio. I am audience. never nice to Cameron, hey. so everyone, this is a moment in history. Yeah, it's true. All right, so uh, moving past that, so I don't resonate too long. Um. <laughs> We read this week Batman The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. You actually, so if you're listening to this, you should really listen to last week's episode. Catwoman went in Rome, which is the same team. It kind of inspired us to read this. Um, known as potentially the greatest Batman story of all time. So Lauren, what did you think? Uh, I have said this once and I'll say it again. <laughs> that I really liked it. Um, what I did say in the in the second recording that I'm going to say now is it kind of felt like a movie, but it also felt like a murder mystery yeah. all wrapped up into one. So Yeah, and I tried to cool. I tried to respond to that with this that <laughs> I said last time was um uh this is very much I think the what we want to see out of Batman story, which is very grounded. It's in Gotham. It's him being that protector. Uh it's not too outlandish. There's comic book elements, but they're not um they're not cheesy. I don't know. I don't think so. Before we actually get into the story, I wanted to ask you a couple things about Batman and just your relationship with that character because this was, you know, last week's story was a Catwoman story who's a supporting character of Batman, but this week now we are in, um, it's full Batman, and then the, there's a, obviously so many surrounding supporting characters and that world build for him. And so my question is, how familiar were you with like, Batman's rogues gallery, meaning all of his villains, before you read this did you know uh, everyone that was coming in mm, i i think um actually the um which one did we just read catwoman wise when in rome yes a lot of those characters were brought into this story so that helped 
Um, but I, I mean, probably just from like the limited times that we've discussed different stories or I've seen movies, I would say not all of them were completely random, but some of them I definitely hadn't seen before, like the Calendar Man. Oh yeah, Calendar Man, he's like a B, like BOC list villain for Batman. But you know what's cool is like, this if, if he's supposed to be in any story, this is the perfect story for him to be yeah. in. Yeah, I thought it was ironic, yeah. right? Like, that's kind of the humor behind it. Yeah, and he's so clearly, like, you know, the first one you'd think of to do something like this. But him being menacing, kind of locked behind Arkham, then going in was so interesting. So, I did you know who the Mad Hatter was? No, that was a random one. Yeah. And I also was like, whoa, weird, because Mad Hatter. And then they have Alice in Wonderland, and I was yeah. like... How could you Okay. How could you bridge that? So he was a he like worked he was like a tech dude. I don't know if he worked for Wayne Corp or whatever. It changes within the comics and the re- different iterations, but he became obsessed with a girl named Alice and then he oh. adapted the Jervis Tatch uh or the Mad Hatter persona and then what he basically does is he'll mind control people by putting stuff like usually f- like hats on them. Oh, and so there's okay. stories where he gets Batman's cowl and then, you know, Batman's under his control, da, da, da. Like, he kind of reminded, reminded me of, like, the Riddler. Yeah, they're they're gimmicky. You know, he's yeah. only speaking in nursery rhymes or whatever. and or oh. he's, he's speaking in rhymes and Riddler's only speaking in riddles. And it's okay. like, he only asks questions. So Yeah, I got similar vibes between the two. I definitely was surprised. And then <laughs> and then there was all, like, like, Solomon Grundy. Oh, yeah, I didn't know who that was. Okay, he is... Pretty much the Frankenstein monster of the DC universe. He's the one who's like Solomon Grundy was born on a Sunday. Or born something. on a Monday. Oh, that's no, it's <laughs> fine. It's and then he has. There's this whole nursery rhyme that surrounds him, and it's funny because as you read them, the nursery rhyme changes in every story that I read him in. So I always think that's kind of funny. What's his background? He's really just he he was. He's a monster that was there like as as long as the rest of the characters have been, uh, and. I don't I don't know more than that. Like he's he, and yeah. he's always just been around and so it's like he's never he's never quite a menace. You know what I mean? He will never be like the sole villain in a Batman story, but like as a as a physical threat that you know, it it I think Batman kind of showcased how big of a threat he is that he just had to punch him once and then it was over. So Yeah. I thought it was I mean, we can get into this later, but it was sad that him and uh harvey were together and i don't know it's just... yeah 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 and he went underground and you know okay th- let's let's get into this so um wait wait what about the other characters batman supporting cast because i think this story the one of its biggest strengths is the, like that it's leaning into everyone in the batman mythos so like even like alfred and commissioner gordon like were i'm sure you knew who they were because they've been yeah. portrayed by really great people in the films but like did you like them did you have any opinion on them before this or I wouldn't say I had an opinion. I think uh, I, my intro to them would be like Dark Knight Rises or any of those sorts of movies. Mm-hmm. But I really liked, uh, It's is it Commissioner? Commissioner Gordon. Gordon, right? Yeah. And then you have Harvey Dent and then you have Batman. So yeah. I think that's a really cool triangle of different perspectives of justice and whatever a love triangle if you will Uh, yeah oh my a very complicated love triangle (laughs) yeah wait okay you're saying oh that is so that's such a good point that i never thought of is that the three of them being together are such different forms of justice yeah well you you have like you have a person who enacts I, I, all of them enact justice, I guess, but in different forms. Exactly. Um, and and yeah. if there's a spectrum of justice, they all exist at different points on that spectrum, which is yeah. so interesting. 
into the oh. also tying it back to why I love the supporting characters Alfred bringing that to Bruce's yeah. attention but I that's why it's not really like a square but Alfred is like almost the very tiny voice of reason that guides this yeah. story at different points yeah um exactly and that's exactly who he is. And that's why this story is like so special, especially amongst the Batman fans is because like when it comes to the characterization of everyone in the Batman universe, this absolutely nails all of them. Yeah. And I like that. I like that. Um, you know, you have, they all have their opinions on what is best to do in the situation. And uh, you see those come to fruition in different ways in the story. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So okay, now we'll just get into it because I'm like I I I didn't want to be without mentioning that because those are I'm like, they're key players for sure. Any yeah, and 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 like you know for me it's like the the casting of someone like Commissioner Gordon and Alfred are just as important as the casting of Bruce Wayne Batman because it's like they make it you know Gordon's always there to keep him from going too far, which we see in this. And there's another story I'll potentially have you read way in the future, but he does it again there, and then um. Alfred is always his voice of reason and he just kind of like looks at the he looks over Bruce's shoulder and just tells him the thing that has been staring him in the face he's like oh maybe it could be Harvey yeah I I think this has been depicted and I'm not really sure but is Alfred like his father figure for all intents and purposes Alfred is his dad okay yeah he's been there since Bruce was born so he was the familial butler Thomas Wayne hired him uh Thomas and Martha die it's Alfred is left with the manor to take care of Bruce and that's been their relationship because isn't there like a part where and I I, I'm not gonna be able to like look at this but um he's he's like oh maybe I could have been a better father to Bruce uh I think you're thinking of Dark Knight Rises and where Bruce leaves and like you know he thinks he dies and like fighting Bane and being Batman or whatever but like Alfred yeah Alfred blames himself for you know Bruce but you know in the same way that your parents would blame themselves like Bruce Bruce's path was always inevitable you know what I mean like yeah he 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 made it on the day his parents died he made an oath to protect Gotham you know what I mean like the city that wronged them because you know they were philanthropic they're just all-around good people that you even see in this story Mm -hmm. um and so Bruce Bruce is like, I will never let this happen. My great pain happened to anyone else. When he's 10, like looking at their dead bodies on the ground, and that's his propelling force. And so Alfred's like, there's nothing I could have done to stop this, but I can do my best to take care of my best friend's son. Right. You know, and, and then because it's that amount of time they've spent together, it's familial. Yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked Alfred being in the, being mentioned in it and, having parts especially like uh you know when they're trying like harvey dent and gordon are trying to like find where batman is he's like yo he's my homie one and two he's not here so yeah, just he, get over it he was loyal he's yeah. like he's like it's mother's day and like you know how yeah. he doesn't have a mom i'm like oh you're so they're like good. remember the fact that he had his parents die like let him be and they're like yeah. oh that's right yeah exactly um <laughs> so did you see the influence of this story on a movie like the dark knight yeah because I remind me if I'm wrong, them burning the money 
Exactly in, in the, the scene. movie, but it's Joker. Yeah. But it's Joker, which yeah. I will say was it was pretty cool when Joker did it. But it was also really cool when they did it. And he's like, "This town deserves a better class of criminal, and I'm going to give it to him." That's when he's burning the money. Yeah, and he's like, "It's not about money." And uh, well, because you know what's crazy is in that movie too, the main two families are the Maronis and the Falcones. I can't. I don't remember them being in the movie. Um, Maronis and the Falcones, right? Yeah. So. Uh, Carmine Falcone is in the first in Batman Begins when he he's pretty much the one who hired the Joe Chill to kill um, Bruce Wayne's parents. I, I don't know if they explicitly said in the movie, but he was a cellmate. He is the uh, n- number one corrupt, like most corrupt, has the lawyers and everyone in his back pocket. He kills Joe Chill. Bruce comes up to him and he's like, "How could you have done that?" And he's like, "I'm going to kill." I'm going to kill Falcone. And then, you know, Rachel drops him off and he like, you know, Falcone gives him the business and Bruce gets out, checks his gun. Rachel slaps him in the face. Then he goes on his mission to, you know, reinvent himself. Falcone's the one that he, you know, when he makes his debut as Batman, he pretty much gets all this evidence on that guy and attaches him to the light. Does, uh, oh, I guess he doesn't know, right? That Falcone wouldn't know that, Batman is the son yeah. of the guy who saved his life. Yeah, no. Right. Yeah, and that I didn't, just thought about that. That didn't happen in the movie. And then on top of that, too, that Maroney was in. Okay, so obviously the way that Two Faces accident happens in uh, this series and in the movie is different. But Maroney is the one who. Uh, we could also do a watch along if you're ever down. Yeah, I think we should. I, I'm definitely not remembering it, but. Um, I couldn't remember how it happened in the movie. Yeah, because these two are, you know, they, they they take elements. And, you know, I'd probably have you read one more. I'd brought, I, before we watch Batman Begins, I'd have you read Batman Year One. Because that's, it, it's this one and that one that pretty much make up those those two films. Which I, <clears throat> I was talking to my mom about this. So, let's say I'm, I'm making a movie, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, you Batman can. Begins. Yeah. And... When I go, like, does DC say, hey, we want to make a Batman movie? You pretty much. You can use whatever inspiration you want. Mm, yeah. Well, they hired direct. Usually, I think the way it goes is DC's like, okay, we're going to make. Because DC is also owned by Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah. In the same way that Marvel's now owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they'll go up and they'll be like, okay, well, I want you to make a. Uh, like Marvel's has a slate of movies. They're like, we want these characters to come in at this times at these times. DC's like, okay, well uh, we want to reinvent Batman. So for Pattinson's Batman, they're they're What what are the elements we want? And so they'll hire a screenwriter and, or people will just send scripts in to Warner brothers and they'll green light scripts. And then thus we have our films usually with now in these days, superhero films, there'll be a timeline. You know I mean, we need to have script done by then so we can have to start shooting and da da da. So is it the screenwriters that get inspiration from like the long Halloween yeah. year one? DC will give them the best hits. You know what I mean? The greatest mm. hits. Like, you know, they gave. I'm like, I'm going to be throwing Batman books at you. That's I don't okay. Know. That's okay. I'm just curious because, <laughs> yeah. because when we talk about, oh, like, yeah, there are certain parts of these that were in the movie, I'm like, okay, but is that because the screenwriter is like oh i love the long halloween so i want parts from the long halloween or is warner brothers like hey here's like some of the really good comics that we think would it would be of benefit to have parts from them in the movie you you know know what i'm saying the creative process i'm just i'm just curious about i'd say it's both and okay so it's like 
it's like, hey, we want this screenwriter, but then we want this kind of take on the character. So the way that we are describing the the new Robert Pattinson Batman coming out is, have you seen the movie Seven? Oh, we already have this conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, okay, we want a David Fincher Fight Club esque style Batman. That's so interesting. Like dark. Like, have you seen Gone Girl? Yeah. Okay, that director. It's like we want a Batman take Ooh, like that. It's gonna be really like twisty and turny yeah, and, and mysterious. We want we want it to be a whodunit, like you know the the really lean into the mystery like a long long form slow burn mystery like this one was and because you know obviously this is very true to the character and this is a great example of that so they're going to steal elements from it um and then you know they, they trust there's editors there's you know there's a bunch of people that are like purists that make it happen but also and we're seeing that now there needs to be at some point a step away from the source material to keep it fresh sure because i don't want to see the long halloween again you know? Yeah, and that's a good point. I feel like that's the challenge, right? Keeping it fresh. Yeah, and which I think I think Robert Pattinson's a good choice because he'll be like emo boy Batman, he which is. we love. He is, and I'm like, you know, I don't think this movie is going to connect to as very much of the rest of the DC universe, and and even if it does, it's going to be in very minimal ways. I don't think they're. I don't think he's going to be a part of the Justice League. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think so either. Exactly, and so, but that's again, that take on Batman is already different than Ben Affleck's take who was building a universe and interacting with Superman. And now it's like, we have a Batman in Gotham. That's what I think that's the strength of the character. So I'm, I don't know in theory, they're, they're gearing up for another justice league movie. I don't know. Okay. I don't, you know, it, they, they, they did the Snyder justice league and they're still using some of the toys from that sandbox. And they're also doing this. DC is kind of now establishing a multiverse and that's been DC's strength. Uh, before like as opposed to marvels marvels has always been like all of our characters exist in the same universe and they're always interacting and that's on a comics level not even a movie level dc has been here's a really great story whether or not Mm. it it exists in continuity is up to you um which is awesome because i'm no like i no matter what i'm just pro good stories happening well and also like i think there's always this debate right of like the quality of Marvel movies, yeah, right, and how they're like mass produced and blah blah blah, whatever, yeah. versus like the DC movies that take forever to come out yeah, and like, take forever to make, and sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't. Yeah, well, it's both. It's yeah, and a lot. And of there's that, there's there's pros and cons to both. And a lot of that too is just preference, man. Sure. Like, and there's nothing wrong with loving one more than the other, or like you know, really. I, for me, the biggest win, I may have said this earlier, but more comic content is the win for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like me being able to just to have more comic stuff going on is I'm happy. You know, I'm, hey, guess yeah. what? If Avengers does really well, DC and Warner Brothers are going to be more prone to want to make another Batman trilogy. Sure. And I'm down for that. <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm like, it's all it, it's all a win. Exactly. And so, like, whether or not the artistic integrity, I think. I'm like, you can also mass produce content that is that exists in the continuity and also have it be fresh because they were look at Thor one and two and then go look at Thor Ragnarok. They are entirely it, it, <laughs> it seems like an entirely different universe in film, but like it still exists and there's still artistic integrity there. So, yeah, I think some of it can be a little film snobby pretentious. Sure. I mean, I still to this day am like when people are like snobby like i won't watch a marvel movie yeah it's like it's a good movie if you like it you like it whatever and i'm like hey you know these days in my life it's not about what's better or worse it's like it's just cool to like stuff yeah and that's why i like comics all right and i never grew up like i like them 
And that's it. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Okay, so now actually back into the story. Great little tangent, though. Great, great, great. Um, so into the long Halloween. Um, how do you, how did you like the characterization of Gotham and um Batman as almost Godfather esque? Like it opens the same opening. Uh, have you even seen Godfather? No. Oh my gosh, which well, is so weird. It opens on a familial wedding in Gotham. It's mobster. It's how do you feel, how do you feel about that take? It's not quite what you've seen before and. I liked it. I, again, read some of the intro and post stuff because I just think it, it contributes to the to the uh, reasoning as to, like, why the story is the way that it is. Yeah. Um, and I like it. I think I think you could argue, like, Batman's a gangster. He is. He is, man. Like, oh, my gosh. And the way the Falcone stuff and it like and I mean, like the Carmine Roman stuff tied into bruce's life and yeah. the bank and like it's all it's all interconnected it was really which well. i enjoyed and i liked the uh familial aspect of the falcone family as far as like the different characters right oh, yeah. like uh carla i believe yeah yeah, yeah. Um, his it, carla vidi who is his sister married the vidi family he yeah. was at his nephew's wedding johnny yep, yeah. johnny and then um who was the girl who had the curly hair uh, uh, Sophia. Yeah, yeah. His daughter, who went to prison, apparently because she was with uh, someone from the Maroni family. Yeah, that was a cool arc. I was, and the, the, I that, was like, dang. And you know what I was going to say, just as a complete side note along with this, there was parts of this that I was reading where it felt very Hamlet. Yeah. And that was like so Romeo and Juliet. Like, yeah. I was like, there's so much like Shakespeare influence within this story. You know, and you find, and Russell and I talk about this a lot, but w- within those stories, it's just, or within these stories, my favorite ones, there's really just like almost, there's a Shakespearean nest yeah. to them. And like, I felt that the entire story. Yeah. Same, same here. So anyway. And that's why I was like, that's why I always compare it to The Godfather because that is the master class of cinema. And now we're, we're, we're taking those themes and those. And putting them in this story in yeah. a way that just works so well. Yeah. So the star-crossed lover thing was kind of, it was just funny and interesting. Yeah. It was a random note. But um, yeah, I like, and obviously, you know, it was cool with like the, it almost sim- was similar to the, um, I don't know why I keep forgetting the name, the Catwoman one that we just read. Uh, so that we just read? Yes. When in Rome. When in Rome, right. Having, uh. Hers was Monday through uh, Sunday, but like having the holidays alongside the story, but also like the importance of like the family within those holidays. And like, I, it just, it was just so well organized. Yeah, it really was. You know what I'm saying? The pacing was really good in the story and like so on par. I think that. And it allowed everything to feel humanized. Yeah. No, I feel that too. Um, I think that the um, I think that the way that this correspondent, even like the birthday one, when it was the Romans' birthday, and I was like, that was the yeah, same. Yeah, is that day. as a holiday? Loved oh that. Gosh, I loved that. It just was perfect. And yeah. like, oh, I loved, I loved it. I loved it. It's just uh, this again. I only have positive sentiments toward this book. Um, how did how did you like it as a whodunit mystery? And how did you like them following Harvey? I really liked it. And I remember you saying when you gave me this uh, comic book, like you're not going to be able to put it down because yeah. you're going to want to know. And and I had a suspicion about who had done it the mm-hmm. whole time. And I think that they kind of make it 
kind of clear, but they almost they make you question if you are right. Well, we can spoil that. There's always spoilers. Did you think? I yeah. You thought it was Gilda? No, 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 no. I didn't think it was Gilda. That was wild. I I thought it was Harvey. Finish your sentiment, and I'm gonna yeah. And that was my question that I was gonna ask: Is did you miss that Gilda was part of it? Okay, because you had mentioned that Kyle was like, "Whoa, it's it's right," and that's why that's why that's why uh, Jeff Loeb is so great because it is he is the obvious choice to be it, and the even Alfred's like little anecdote of I've seen how far one man is willing to go in the pursuit of justice to the sense of losing their sanity. It all makes sense, and Harvey's obsession with duality and justice and. It's two Face is my favorite Batman villain. And this story definitely illustrates why I feel that way. Um, I thought I literally, cause I, I probably read this five times. This is probably my fifth time reading. Yeah. It. Um, and Harvey, you know, I didn't, I never, I knew he didn't do it. I thought it was Alberto. I just remembered late four years thing. I was like, Oh, it was Alberto. Da da da. The end. And then, um, Oh, the, the Falcone's the son. son, the son who died. Oh, and, but and, and then Gilda has the whole last page or whatever yeah. where she literally just. I, but this they is both did, did it. it. I thought. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you because I don't know if he did it. I don't think. Yes, ha- I, I think they both did it. She she says that she thinks he did it. She didn't witness it. His hair could have just been wet. Sure, but what I loved at the end, right, was that they always wanted a baby. They always wanted a child, mm-hmm. and this was their child. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What do you mean? Like, like, like they're both in on it together. You know, this character, this person, the holiday is it's, it's their child. Well, cause this is my thing. Alberto could have faked his own death because why, like, why would he do that? How would he survive is my question. If he's not the kill, <laughs> how would he have survived and then still gone off to kill? You know what I mean? Like if he didn't fake his own death and that's why I think Harvey is again, like in dark Knight. I think Harvey is completely innocent. Not that he didn't mm. not go, he didn't go far enough, but I think he is just, what's it? Uh, like a ramification in the war. You know, he's a casualty. Which is why, uh, you know, in a way this story is a tragedy. Oh, it's, it's the perfect kind of tragedy. Yeah. I, wow. Mm, I've thought about that. I thought while reading it, like, wow, wouldn't it just really suck if he just didn't do it at all? Yeah. But I also think it's it would be fun to think like what if that was them together. I, I, you know, I don't think I have a super strong argument, but like I'm like I think also the fact that there's still mystery lingering in the air is also to the strength of the oh, story. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? But I I think he did it. Okay. And you know, I, I was thinking that as I read it this time. Um I just, you know, the funny story though is I had literally gone years just thinking Alberto did it. <laughs> and like, I was like, I'm like, poor Harvey. Da, 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 yeah. Like, you're like, and oh man. I was like, hashtag sad boy hours. And then he, then Kyle sent me, he's like, I'm reading long Halloween. And I said, oh yeah, great Batman reading. Da, da, da. And so then, but also there's so many things. I, I read this literally like a year ago too. And cause when Kyle sent me the photo of, uh, it was just Gilda's confession pretty much. And I'm like, you were like, I don't remember that. I'm like, what did I read? <laughs> I'm like, I'm due for a reread. And then I reread it and I was like, okay, well, I guess you did do it. And that changed the entire story. It's a better ending. It's a better ending. Ah, uh, but you're, I think, we're, you know, I think there's just room for us to both be right. I think there's room. And I, I just think, I think it's just fun to speculate. Oh yeah, of course. It's, but yeah, he is, Harvey is my favorite. I just think he's so, the way this went down was so fascinating to me. Yeah. 
Um, and did you, you liked his arc? So for a clarification question, cause I, I got a little bit confused yeah. at the end. So Ver, uh, Veroni, no, no, no. What's the guy's name? Who's blonde. And he had glasses and he always has laid at the office with him. Oh, it's the, the assistant. I don't remember his name. Who, 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 th- okay. So he, who killed him? Yeah. Harvey killed him. Oh, I'm sorry. Not who killed him. Who is at fault for why Harvey is the way Harvey is? He's I at, didn't get it. He's at fault. So, okay. Well, remember Maroney. So he gives Maroney that bottle, right? Yeah, he gives Mar- oh, Okay. I don't, yeah, that wasn't very clear. Um, and the, the, the cool part is they, this story was written in 97. Harvey had always been known as the DA. He did get acid splashed on his face back in, you know, and that's what made him two face, you know, uh, what they did was his assistant was working for Maroney. Oh. Because remember, he's in the kitchen and Maroney gives him money. He says, that's far too much money. He's like, oh, no. Like, oh, what's money oh, between oh. friends? And then he. I get, don't think I caught that. You know, it took me 16 times to realize that Gilda <laughs> did it. So you're fine. So, OK, because I know that he was listening in on when they would have the meetings and stuff. So I knew he was like kind of sketch. Yeah. But I thought that Harvey was trying to for whatever reason, have Maroney drink acid. No, 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 no. He, he gave it to, Oh, he gave it to Maroney so that Maroney could splash it on him in the, okay. And then that's, that's like literally the comic origin. Um, how'd you feel about that moment actually when it happened? So sad. That is, Oh, you gotta watch dark Knight after this then. Just like see it. Um, okay. So then there's, you know, it's cool about this story too, is that it, it, it is dated, but it's also not. Like, I just think, you know, this could still work today. And it, it, it has been shown to still work. Like, it's the framework for for one of the best Batman movies, superhero movies of all time. Um, How do you feel about the Joker's uh, interpretation oh. in this? Because he's, a, he's very different than Heath Ledger's Joker that we see. And even, you know, different from Joaquin Phoenix. So how do you feel about the way that he was characterized in this? And then as, as, as compared to seeing that... Hmm, I'm going to have to think about that one for a sec because he's brief, but he's not super brief. I feel this. like every villain gets about like two issues, which is cool. Yeah. Um, or like half an issue in each issue. I liked, actually, my mom was like reading through this and she saw my, the part. She's invited on. <laughs> Eileen. Yes. The part where he's like, there's not enough room in this city to have two uh yes 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 which i loved i thought that was so funny um i feel like i don't know i don't know how i feel about it i didn't have like a major opinion on it i would say but i feel like uh he's just you know contributing towards the madness yeah which is as usual um and it was interesting because you know how he's um a nihilist yeah. But there was points where he was almost pointing out the nihilism within like the characters. He like, thinks it's all funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have much opinion. I'm going to be real. That's, you know, and that's not, it's, it's always interesting for me though, because the Joker, I feel like in the nineties and at the time of, at the time of this, I stepped on Lauren's head <laughs> and she's laughing at me now. Uh, at the 90s when this was being written, I just feel like Joker was written one particular way and this is this aligns with that way. And then post Heath Ledger, the entire portrayal of the character and direction has shifted immensely. And Can you explain that more? 
Um, I don't think I know really what you're talking about. I just, I don't think formally Joker was ever like an anarchist. Um, and I mm. think that portrayal, like, okay, so. I, I, I've already decided to, by the way, that you, I'm just going to start giving you DC Batman stuff. Okay. My DC stuff, because I have a lot of people doing Marvel, but I'm like, you're going to be my. I'm a DC person. I'm like, I need more DC content. I realize, anyways. Anyways, uh, so. So in Batman 1989, which is the Jack Nicholson Joker film. Uh, I've never seen that one, by the way. It's my favorite one. You have seen Batman Returns, though. You saw, so you saw the sequel with Catwoman yeah. as uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Um, and so that movie is very much a product of the time. If you open a comic book and you look at Joker, that's who he is. He's, he's, he's funny. Like, I, don't think, I see what you're saying. I don't think Joker's funny anymore. And... Um, he was a gangster because Joker was very much a part of the, the mafia or he wasn't like a part of it, but like he had roots in there and, and the mafia hired him to go do a thing and the mission went terribly wrong. So do you feel like this honored the old Joker? I feel like this is truer to that portrayal at that point in time. Then I think one, I I really do. Once Heath Ledger got, got his hands on the character, everything changed and not, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying, Uh you know, one portrayal has that power. Like if you look at Superman comics after Christopher Reed's Superman, Superman changed, you know, forever the way yeah. he was portrayed. And so that's not a bad thing. It's just that I think it's a very, it's very interesting. Cause I don't think right now, I don't think the Joker's funny. And I think every time you're no. going to look, you're, you're going to look at and him. Heath Ledger's Joker was just like, I feel like, Oh, actually even Joaquin Phoenix. Like it is just such a scary and dark Joker. Yeah. I remember I saw, um, joker is mm-hmm. that what it was called right yeah yeah. the that movie was, 2000 what 19 yeah yeah i would i will never watch that movie again oh. no i like watched that on like my second date <laughs> you're lying i'm not she's like that was my favorite movie and i said what i said actually and then i whipped out it's the just comics so sad and tragic and like bleh. i don't want to watch that again yeah yeah and you're, and you're not wrong for feeling that way um i he's you don't want to root for him but like i think he's he isn't charming anymore because i think the joker is funny and i think he's he's so i think he should be like i think there should be some slapstick to it like not that you're rooting for him but it's like he is entertaining and i think he's lost that and every time you see him his makeup is gonna be messed up and you know he's gonna he's gonna be scary and and more nightmarish and I think for the, you know, for the tone they're trying to strike in that film, they, they took those elements of the characters and they enhanced them and it works and it changed everything. Like obviously. And it's just interesting to read this, see this portrayal where he's, he's quoting the Grinch. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. He was funny. He he is. He's super funny in it. And I think with no matter what, this will be always like my closer representation to that character than how he, how far he has been taken now. Yeah, I what I was helpful about reading the last comic book and then having it for this one was like when people are smiling. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. The Joker's the Joker's here. Yeah, Joker you know? gas. Yeah, I was like, dang, I'm an insider now. Yeah, yeah, and then you'll <laughs> see it in the in the Batman 1989 movie. He does that like to the city. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a scary movie. Um, okay, <laughs> then okay, so then how'd you feel about Alberto getting caught? I thought that was it was fine. I was like, this is it. That, yeah. And that's why it was very like, here it is. Um, I liked his little purple glasses that really contributed to him as a person. Okay. Let's actually, uh, we've talked about the story and the narrative. What did you think about the art? Especially I, compared to the last thing you read by this artist. Yeah. Which is, I felt like the style was not necessarily the same, but pretty, pretty similar vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I was reading kind of in the intro about it, but I feel like this was one of the ones, and I felt this way about the uh, Black Widow one that we read, where the uh, choice in tone and color really matched the depict, like the yeah. depiction of what they were going for with the story. I think when when you are looking for mood yes in a comic look no further than this like yeah just 10 out of 10 match you know perfect yeah and i feel like uh they did a really good job of like enhancing and even like the colors within the holidays of themselves i don't know it just it was it was really good it was cool like like this could never be quite the realistic depiction of Batman with his ears so long and his cape is just overflowing. I know. I was like, this boy has a cape for days. Yeah, he's but, just cape. Yeah, but when it ma- but like when it matched, it was like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, I didn't like uh, Catwoman's uh, costume in this one. Even it was like the same one as the last one. No, it's not. Okay, it's like it. I don't know. It just wasn't that cool. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, also just as a as a random side note because we've talked about this i so she is in like that whole depiction of when like it's all of the villains in one room Mm -hmm. and i was like i wouldn't put her in that room i think you know first and foremost but that's because i feel like i have this like weird bond with her now and again she's just a character that's changed over time i know like again she's never gonna she's it's it's she's not the damsel in distress she's femme fatale and so yeah with that depiction being in it and and he says why are you doing this and she says this like the same reason as always is she's looking out for herself yeah yeah i guess i i don't see her as the same as those people well that's good and like you know i don't i don't know if i quite believe harvey should be in that room either yeah that didn't feel fair he you know i don't for for all the strength that this book's like plot and everything had, I thought the ending kind of fell flat. I think Guild the Gilda part was like, oh, that was crazy. As, but even just like, where was Two Face? Like, I'm like, what happened with that? Yeah, he just I think Two-Face. they could have. I think they could have like, ex- I a good side comic book, which maybe already exists, is that in between time mm-hmm. of like exploring him, mm-hmm. like dealing with this, and. I, you know, I want to know in his thought process why he feels like he has to kill Falcone. Oh my gosh. That's right. That's the whole arc over the entire series series. And I think it'd be interesting to know why he did it. And I know why he did it, you know, but like the time within, I think he's gone for like a month. Yeah. And I forgot, I forgot that Falcone, um, died in this book because I thought he'd be in the next one because I know, you know, picking up where this left off is sal maroney dead too no he's alive no he's alive he's alive he he takes the reins in gotham after that oh and so um with that being the case like it, it leads which into is stuff. okay so yeah like it does it, it i understand why he killed him but then it's like he is talking about how he doesn't want falcone and like their family to have the hold on gotham but then now maroney has it it's the same damn thing well yeah, they they wanted it to be a vacuum, and then it wasn't, and it's it, like you know they they didn't want it to be a vacuum, and that's no matter what is going to happen. I'm, I'm like starting to see that theme in so many comics right now. It's in Daredevil currently because if it's not Kingpin in charge of Hell's Kitchen, then it's going to be this person you instead, know, Owlsley, and da 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 da. It's just like okay, well, um, okay. So I have like two more questions for you. Um, it only better be two. 
That's 16 questions for you. <laughs> um, how, what was your favorite moment, do you think? And also, actually, wait, before that, before, it's three already now. How did you like the Poison Ivy stuff? Eh. I, what are the art, art, art-wise? Cool. I like, I'm like, you took a couple photos, but literally, it's, it's her, it's when, you know. I she, like when she's in the back, and then it's her it, within the wall, and then him. Yeah. On her. Yeah. That and then, cool. and then her in the kitchen. Yeah, um, I was like, that's really cool. I'd be re- I'd be remiss if I didn't like mention that because I love her. I, I like I like I like Poison Ivy a lot, and, and you know what's funny is there's a couple stories that Jeff Loeb does. I'd probably if I was to have you, I think I have three more Jeff Loeb stories if you wanted to read them. It'd be the sequel, and then he did a story called Haunted Night. But then he so he. You know, different writers keep collaborating with other artists. This is just Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Like, they're a notorious team to work together. Um, He did a story called Batman Hush, which is, like, this was 97. In 2001, he has, like, this ultra-modern Batman artist that is, like, the most... He he was a Marvel artist for a long time, worked on X-Men for a long time, and then his first book at DC was Batman Hush. And it is the most freaking beautiful thing ever. And so um, I think I'd have you read that because it's to see his script, uh, uh, like work with a different artist is so interesting. Huh. So cool. Yeah. I'm done. Read it. And like, there's, it's funny because quotes from this are in there too. Like, uh, was it cat or uh, poison Ivy says, so, you know, you can't resist me. Yeah. No, no man can. And then there's, it leaves off in an issue of hush where she's talking to Catwoman, and Catwoman just says, or, or Ivy says, oh, you know, you can't resist me. No man or woman can. And oh. it's like, I'm like, I've heard this before. <laughs> um, I thought it was cool that, you know, it, that it, it kind of gave me um like X-Men slash Marvel vibes when they were upset that Falcone hired her. The family was upset. Oh, oh, yeah. How did you, how'd you like them, him? I'm like just asking questions now, but no, um, that's fine. I'm, I'm like, I bet you thought it was only two more. <laughs> but um, Falcone... How'd you feel about him starting to hire the villains? That that blew my mind. I I I like it. I think it's it's it, similar to the others where it's like, you know, do we work with them? Are we with them or are we against them? Yeah. But you know, Falcone is obviously above the law and is willing to kind of do whatever. So mm-hmm. it's not a big surprise to me that he is willing to work with the villains yeah. to kind of like achieve the same goal because they're all trying to you know go up against. Batman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are. And I I really like uh I like it. I like this story a lot. I think it's so freaking good. And th- th- those two arcs cor- like coalescing. I don't know if there's another way they could have done that to make it kind of work and keep it grounded because I think with these larger than life characters, it's easy to just kind of go wild. And they did sure. it. They were able to keep it like within Gotham like Yeah, I think what you were saying was true as far as like each person got like two issues ish. Yeah, it was like it was like they got half an issue each and then that that was the cliffhanger till the next yeah. one. And so, but it's cool and and this story I just love it. Um <laughs> they and the way they tie this eventually into like the Robin origin and the next one is my favorite ever. So, um it's super cool. And then um my next question was now favorite moment. What do you think it was? Oof, my favorite moment. I have two, if that helps. I have two that connect. Go for it. The one where I showed you where, um, what's his name? Uh, Harvey? No, no, no. Commissioner. Officer. Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner oh, Gordon. Oh, he was Captain Gordon. He's not commissioner yet. 
So he's com- he's captain. He's captain. He's known always as commissioner. Okay. In the comics. Captain Gordon is discussing with Batman, yeah. bringing him on board like, you're allowed to bend the rules, but you can't break them. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Yeah. Which is like, it's just kind of funny saying that to Batman because Batman really can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. But Batman is just like, fine, sure. But in the end, right, when again talking about the trilogy when harvey dent and gordon and batman are together and they're just discussing like how is this any different than what we talked about in the beginning yeah and i just thought it was a really full circle moment and like gordon gordon yeah i don't know why i'm having such a hard time with names there's a lot of people though yeah gordon's (laughs) i feel like stayed true to himself the whole story and batman as well and I feel like, in a way, Harvey Dent did, but like, yeah, to see to see where they started to where they ended, and I just liked that. It was a cool, yeah, it's a cool arc, and I don't know if I agree with him killing Falcone, but I understand why he did it. I think that you know, when we we get someone like the way Batman is described and this is how he isn't portrayed in film, but he's a moral absolutist and he's just like, you know, this is, I, I won't cross this line, but he, he's always on the cusp. I think if, if we're taking like a little step back, cause Batman doesn't break his own, he doesn't break the rules because he's a man who lives by his own code. You know sure. I mean? Right. And that's, and that's why he doesn't, he's not a cop is he's like, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do what I need to do. Like he's very, it's just like I'm. I'm gonna make my way for myself, and and Gordon is, and that's why Batman doesn't break his own code because he's the one who makes his code. Uh, right. And, I mean, his code is to just is to protect Gotham. Yeah, and at whatever cost, and not towards like obviously death. That's the one line he won't cross. But with Gordon, he's very much he. Batman doesn't believe in the system, and no. Gor- and Gordon does. Yeah, and that's why it's it's a it's a funny team. Yeah, and. I, I, that's the way I think about it too, is like, you know, the, the Batman's motivations and, and you'll read in, in other stories, but like Batman's motivation is always going to be like the greater good for Gotham. You know what I mean? Or, uh, that's going to be his motivation. And he, he, it's the system doesn't work. He's like, I don't believe in this because it, it, you know, it's because of the system that he couldn't get justice for his parents. And so that being the case, like, he's like, I'm not, I'm going to be my own thing. And Gordon working in the system but finding the loopholes to get batman on board it's just so it's so interesting to me because like you know the one it's against the law pretty much to be working with a vigilante (laughs) and he still chooses to because that's the way they can get stuff and that's the pushing that's the you know the cusp aspect and you know what when i even when i think about the the triangle between them i'm trying to see where harvey dent fits and i'm i'm having he, a hard time def- i'm having a hard time defining that he's closer to batman than he is to gordon because i think harvey he wants to believe in the system but again like the system fails him and which is ironic because he is you know running for da yeah yeah and i think it's true even when gilda was discussing how he becomes obsessed with the Falcone case and yeah. the holiday case and like it clearly created a change within him yeah well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it did. I think he's passionate. Oh, you don't, yeah, because yeah. I, think, I think that's, I think that's who he was all along, and I think that's the cool thing. We, what you were saying earlier is like how far they. I think that these characters and the way that they were portrayed, because Harvey's also, you know, maybe I don't know if he exists. On, it goes like if it's a spectrum, and on the lighter end, it's Harvey, and then harder is Gordon, and then hardest is Batman. You know what I mean? 
As far as what? As making, I don't know, making just for themselves, but it's loose. It's all depending on circumstance. Really, like what you were saying earlier about how they ended up where they ended up, it's interesting. I'm like, I don't think it could have happened any other way. Well, right. I And the story would have been incomplete without them mm-hmm. coordinating one last time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I will say that I think the, to me, how I perceived it, the change or the story arc of Harvey Dent is the most interesting. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's, again, that's why he's my favorite villain. And also he's my favorite because, or favorite Batman villain specifically. Maybe he's in my top five. He but might why be is, Okay. Side note. And again, we, I feel like we always kind of come back to this, but like, why is he a villain? Be- Remember how we discussed how, how these people are parts of Batman? Yeah. Like why, why is, why is he a villain? Well, number one, he crosses the line of killing people mm. to get, get, you know, seek his way. He, he, yeah. Batman, de- like, he does follow his own code and he doesn't break the rule and he does break the rules, but like there's, there's lines he doesn't cross and he's always on the line and that's what makes him compelling, you know? And that's why we need Gordon and Alfred, but Harvey, he, he goes too far yeah, and, you're and right. you know, and he, and he becomes a monster and then guess what? There's no redemption for him after this. It's only farther down the hall, which is what is heartbreaking about the character. And so he's a tragic character, but, um, the reason I also think just as a villain, his arc, like, I mean, w- 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 as we have attached that identity to him, it's most heartbreaking for Batman. And yeah. and they did it, I think, in Dark Knight better than this. But it's a villain that, you know, because Bru- in a lot of the comics, Bruce and Harvey were friends. Yeah. And like, you know, Batman had interactions with Harvey now, but when Harvey and Bruce were friends and like they wanted to better Gotham in their own ways and they were pursuing that goal and obviously Harley Harvey just gets crushed by that. And so that's, what's extra heartbreaking is that it's not only a loss to uh, Batman, you know, it's a loss to Bruce. And that's, I think that's what makes that character mm. so compelling. Cause I'm like, and that's why I like Selena a lot too, because she is, she's with Bruce in this one and yeah. she's with Batman. And yeah. Like that's good to me. I, I think I forget that like people don't know that he's Bruce. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, you know, like I, I kind of get that mixed up, but yeah, I didn't think about it like that. I, I, I think it does make more sense. I mean, it's a tragic, it's a tragedy. This story is a tragedy, Mm -hmm. but I didn't even think about it as far as like, it's not only a tragedy to Batman, it's a tragedy to Bruce. Yeah. And well, Um, they didn't really depict it quite like that. They didn't. Yeah. So, and I think that that is super true. And that's like an aspect I didn't really think about. Well, and, and you'll see it. I feel so bad. I'm like, I'm going to have to warn everyone to watch the movie before they listen to this. But you see that in the movie too. Cause you know, he Harvey's with Rachel and that's what brings his, uh, him to Bruce's attention. Um, but in that movie, he's like, you're going to throw a fundraiser with my friends. And, uh, I, I'm, I buy into what you're selling because Harvey, like, no matter what his, his main goal was to try and better Gotham. Yeah. And, and the city is so dystopian dystopian like it is so terrible that it ruined him i thought it was interesting how they brought in the um side note of how you know once batman was in the city now there's more chaos yeah and it's like damn batman must feel some type of way about that you know it's it's that's it explored in a lot of other stuff too it's just like does he attract these and it's like yes but my opinion is 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 like that doesn't mean they didn't exist before him either yeah you know like and i mean that that correlates to so many things in life right like man there's just so much more this and that now and it's like i've actually it's 
probably already it's always existed and now we're just paying more attention yeah exactly like like they they that to the to the that person's credit batman was the first one to become a symbol thus they adapt they adopted other symbols too and maybe mm. that's that's what they're talking about but the mad men are always there unfortunately so yeah it's uh very interesting anyways uh my favorite moment i don't think i went into sorry it. i wasn't like no what's your favorite moment oh no we're podcasting like <laughs> we went on a rant uh uh was that your you, you hit it once was that the only one you said you had two well uh two being like the beginning when yeah. gordon is like oh we we don't we can't bend the rules which I, yeah. I thought was just funny because you're talking to batman and then <laughs> but then circling that back to like how harvey crossed the line yeah and it, that was the one thing that they like how are we different from falcone yeah and they mm. he wasn't he wasn't um then i'm glad i'm glad you feel that way and then number two is um or my favorite moment was two moments and it's the supporting character moments because i think again like i said earlier all this the hill i'll die on but alfred and commissioner gordon are the most important and the two moments were alfred on the stand yeah when he said oh yeah like i don't think this is that and you know maybe gotham's not that different you know what gotham was a very corrupt place back then how come how come thomas didn't a report that uh, the crime that had happened with falcone and alfred's like oh it was so corrupt da 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 it's like maybe that's still the case and i was like oh alfred but like that's who he is too because i like i like alfred being like snappy you know yeah. I, like, I like attitude alfred uh, and then seriously and then i like sassy alfred uh, oh he's was it the michael kane's a great alfred i think jeremy irons is my favorite the newest one um uh, i love him and then the next one was commissioner gordon telling batman like when batman was like punching Al- alberto he's like you can't he you can't you can't go too far like you need to stop and he pulls his gun out and i was like ooh that's my that's my jam because i like commissioner gordon's pretty much on the front lines with batman alfred is the is bruce's center uh commissioner gordon is batman's and like when he doesn't support he doesn't let him go too far and when he doesn't support something he makes that explicitly clear and that could be to the expense of their relationship but that's their partnership and yeah oh it's so good um okay last question then lauren what do you rate the story out of 10 oh i remember back when i oh man it feels so long ago my first comic and i was like oh i don't give tens but this is a 10 great i think i i honestly i'm gonna break my own rules i'm gonna break i'm gonna be batman i give 11 out of 10 it's just it has so many elements that make it a good story and what we were talking about like you you have I think a good story is one that makes you just like question a, your own judgment, right? Like who did it? I don't know, (laughs) whatever. But like looking at, like we discussed this with um, Selena's big score, but like why they're doing what they're doing, seeing yourself within that. And um, I don't know, God, get you got gangsters. You got romance, you got crime. You got, yeah, you got a little bit everything. It's so good. And that's how I, I love it too. It's it's awesome. So um, I feel that I'm going to. Uh, yeah, no, I, I it's eleven out of ten. Because why do you feel like it's an eleven out of ten? It, it's very. It's not very rare, but I think this is one of. I I'll, I'll give you books, and I'll be like, yeah, these creators working together in this art, complementing this writing style, like you know, it's. 
I'll, I'll say it's lightning in a bottle a lot, but I just don't know if it gets better than this. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't know if I could think, and maybe yeah, you guys are hearing this. If you listen to me talk later or whatever it be, leave a comment below about which one you think yeah. is better. Exactly. Like you guys have heard me say that, Oh man, this is as good as it gets. This one's lightning in a bottle. This team and this book specifically just broke the mold. Do you feel like they know that they, they did that? Yes. Well, maybe not at the time. Maybe they knew they were on something big. And this this book also is another thing that speaks to DC's strengths because sure. this exists as itself. You don't need 80 years of Batman continuity to have this happen. And again, that's the real strength. This is, this doesn't exist anywhere else. And even the fact that it's, it's over a year, yeah, it doesn't feel long as a story to read. It doesn't feel long Halloween. No. <laughs> the long halloween it doesn't i guess uh they they again as we discussed like they paced the story well yeah and all all of the elements i'm like the holiday element worked in here and he liked that so much that he brought it into the other one and that's cool but it's like it's not the same um I know for Catwoman went in Rome and I think that's why I kind of rated that one as as harshly as I did because I knew this existed and that's that's hard uh like this is the standard (laughs) for me it's like it's hard for them to be this and so like Jeff Jeff Loeb has written a lot of books uh this is you know I'd say the the other ones I'll share with you I won't share with you any of his bad ones personally Mm, that's um, fine sure but also people are allowed let's talk about why this sucks (laughs) I'm like people are allowed to have hits and misses um but anyways, I just think that this this one broke a mold in in the whole storytelling thing and comics and I think characterizations have changed since this happened. Yeah, and I've never thought about that. It's 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 cool to see the the influence on you know the influence keep influencing. And so um, yeah, that's that's why I give it an eleven and just like oh my gosh, Tim Sale's artwork is just so i i remember looking at the original cover i had, I had the trade paperback i remember looking at it and thinking like this is so weird how come joker has so many teeth you know what <laughs> I mean? and it literally and and now i'm like oh i i couldn't picture him any other way you know so it's really good i really loved it um yeah no i just think this is great and that's how i feel about it that's how i feel too we're on the same page that's what i like to hear okay um Wealth Lauren, thank you so much for coming on Camera Reads Comics. We will have you back sooner rather than later. I now have been in my head as we're talking, making a list of books for you to read, and that is going to be so fun. So stay tuned. We actually are going to, next time Lauren comes on, she's going to have a very special guest, and we are going to show the guest some more comics, and that's going to be so fun. So Very exciting. Stay tuned. That's coming in the future, not next week. Go check out Camera Reads Comics on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, and if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to clobber those like and subscribe buttons. Thank you. We will see you next time. Bye.